0: Let me say a very special good evening to listeners, to the Dominican.net radio and to Q95 FM radio in Dominica. Let me welcome you to this week in interview. Our special guest on this week in interview is former Prime Minister of Dominica and current leader of the United Workers' Party, the right Honourable Edison James and he's joining me live from Dominica. Uh, let me say a very special welcome to you, Edison James, um, Prime Minister for Prime Minister of Dominica.
1: Well, thank you for your welcome and good evening. Good evening to you and your listeners. I wish everyone all the best.
0: Yes, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Prime Minister, Saint James, we have quite a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, we have a very full program. And, of course, we welcome our listeners who are listening to us on Dominica via Q95 FM radio and to the countless other listeners listening to TDN radio here in the United States and across the globe in Europe and elsewhere around the world. We welcome all of you to this week in interview as we discuss with the leader of the opposition and the uh, leader of the United Workers' Party, Prime Minister former Prime Minister, Edison James. Um, let me first begin, Prime Minister, uh, former Prime Minister, by congratulating you for assuming once more the mantle of leadership of the United Workers' Party.
1: Well, thank you very much, and I, I look forward to the support of yourself and uh, all those who are interested in advancing the course of this country in a meaningful and purposeful way. Um, I look forward to working with uh, all of you as we seek to... Uh, advance our country's interests in to the benefit of all of us.
0: Yes, one of the um, questions that, that people usually ask, um, they're saying, why was it that you decided to come back as leader of the party? How would you like to address that?
1: Well, um, really, uh, my position has always been that if one does not force um, himself on any organization, um, as it pertains to leadership. If, if that were to happen, then we would start. starting uh, uh, to So um, it really has to do with, uh, with the call of people which have been made uh, to me. I think it's generally the one I publicly indicated at the time of my by
2: election in Mayor in 2010 that I was moving on. I, I did say. Subsequently, that's true that if it's a matter of um, life and
1: death, as I really put it for my party, unless it's a matter of life and death for my party, I would uh, um, not return. I don't think it reached that stage, and those people who tried to persuade me that it had reached that stage, I I said to them, no, keep trying, but they kept uh, um, airing the view that um, they felt that the time was appropriate for me to resume the market of leadership. I, I can say I came on the tremendous, um, I, don't know whether, I don't know whether I was was pressure, but certainly persuasion that I should resume the leadership of the party. And so it is in response to that kind of call that I, I decided to um, come to the fore again. And um, I, I did so also um, firmly of the view that the... Uh, people of the country and people particularly United Party people and people who who are inclined and showed signs of wishing to support the United Wingers Party that they would be willing to work with me uh, to get our country back on a firm footing.
0: <coughs> so here I am. Yes and indeed um former Prime Minister and you've come at a time when there were several burning issues in Dominica. Um, none of the least is the issue of, of Clico. And a lot of people are concerned about this and, and the, the issue of Clico and Bico, the insurance companies that ha- that that went bust, um, leaving, as it were, many, many um, policyholders a hole in the bag. And I know that there's been a lot of discussion in the past about this. One of the issues that we, we are aware of is that um, the the... Dominica Social Security, for example, they were warned against investing in Clico as early as, I think, um, probably two years before all of that happened, yet none of that information was passed on to the public. What can you tell us about that situation and what, what do you think you as, as a leader of the opposition can actually do to address some of that?
1: Well, I, I know you said a uh, made a point about Cleco, but I I think also there's there's deep concern about the economy
0: of the country, generally, and I'm sure we'll come to that in more general. Yes, uh, absolutely. But specifically
1: to do with Cleco, I, I think it is, it is something that has to be of very, very grave concern to our country when, as was disclosed a few um, weeks ago, a week or two ago, by the Director of Social Security. That the government warned the social security or directed the social security um, against continued investment in Pico clearly that would suggest that the um, government smelled a rat. They knew something was going wrong, and it is really an, an abandonment of duty, uh, the of responsibility, uh, and uh, that the government did not at the same time warn um, the public generally was like bad investment and. Uh, would like to just
2: go I remember sometimes the police authorities want to keep the police count uh, because you're on the
1: I know what we get from um, Mr. Sterge is a kind of lukewarm kind of response, one that seems to be only a response to what other leaders are saying. That
0: is not good. Yes, and um, part of the problem as well, Mr. James, was the fact that we know one of the key players in all of this was um, Mr. Leroy Parish of Barbados, one of the chairmen there of Clico, And we know that the role that he played in in the politics of Dominica in 2005. And, And one wonders about the, you know, how ethical the whole situation was or, or is, and whether or not some of the very own monies of the people of Dominica and the rest of the OECS actually went towards uh, his financing of those types of activities. Well,
1: well I mean, you know, Mr. Skerritt is on the public record as saying to the population, go to hell, is not a damn business where the Labour Party gets this money from. I mean, I wonder whether that in fact was in Dominica's investors' money that he was telling them to go to hell about when they when questions were raised about it. That is something that has to be seen in a new context, a new light now, that statement by Mr. Sterry, bearing in mind the revelation that um, uh, from WikiLeaks and uh, according to the American embassy records, um, uh, no or less a person than uh, Peter Wickham, they seem to have got that revelation from. So one wonders now and uh, whether one can dismiss the affluence of this austerity is not your down business really. where the Labor Party gets this money from. It might very well be that the Labor Party got its money from the pockets of those dumb investors. Uh, another point, uh, and something which is of concern, uh, recently uh, an insurance bill was passed into law in the Parliament, and the bill we are told, as we look at the objects and reasons, the, the bill is to seek to revise and reform the law regulating insurance business and sector. Within Dominica, as well as private pension fund plans. Now, what is significant here is that Mr. Skerritt, as the Minister of Finance, did not make himself present at the, at the, the, the Parliament when this important bill was uh, being discussed. It is a bill which uh, comprises probably over um, 229 sections and their subsections in between. He did not make himself present. The bill came to the parliament from all indications that we had in the parliament. Ministers of government had not read the bill, you know, and therefore were not able to make any contributions in the bill. The opposition asked the, the, the government, bearing in mind the short time between the bill coming to us and when it was taken to its three meetings, asked and urged the government to hold back the bill for more consultation. Uh, They they refuse to do that. My understanding is that one of the ministers consulted Mr. Skerritt, who was, as I said, not in Parliament, uh, probably seeking to get his uh, OK for the bill to be held back. And the the, the minister came up with a a negative answer. Um, We are satisfied that there are major flaws in this bill which will negatively impact on the insurance business and the lives of people in this country. Okay, and, and you get the sense that it was something that was deliberately clandestinely, you know, like Nicodemus at night, pushed through the parliament so that people would not pay attention to it. We've asked the government to withdraw, withhold the bill from submitting it to the president for consent until the, the bill is brought back to the parliament for review and for the significant amendments to be made. That is the least they can do. And Mr. Skelly will then have the opportunity to clarify and to expand and explain content of the bill and important features which should be, in an important um, matter like this, would have the opportunity to be included in the bill. So that's where we are.
0: Now, it's kind of interesting, Mr. James. I was wondering whether or not you believe that the people of Dominica and the OECS and the rest of the region will, in fact, recoup. Um, their monies from those two institutions?
1: Well, it, it seems to be an uphill task here from all that is going on. I heard Mr. Skerry talking about negotiations with Trinidad um, to put in probably 75 million, and they're still 75 million short, and the OECS government will probably look to put in 75 million. Um, there are some people who have taken an earlier offer uh, we are reading about as to whether they will then then uh, benefit should, is there be an arrangement that it can be worked out. Uh, but but I, I think also that the uh, Dominicans who have lost money ought to be more vocal on this matter. Uh, and, and they cannot, unless they do that, they will find that they will just have little things dangled in front of them, hopes and expectations dangled in front of them, but they will not get their money back. On the other hand, if they stand up, uh, as they're standing up in the Arbators, I, I gather, um, with the manager, called manager appointed. And, and if they do that, um, then probably there'll be some light in the, at the end of the tunnel. But I think there are people who are not inclined, uh, we here in Dominica, our leadership here in Dominica, not inclined to put in that kind of pressure that is necessary. I mean, as, as we talked earlier about the contribution of the of CLECO, and the benefits uh, bestowed upon his chairman and other people who were in the forefront of Trico who are multimillionaires, billionaires now. Um, Alan Stanford comes to mind. You see him in his, in his yellow suit and his hands in front or behind his back. And you wonder what is happening to those people who are so strangled, um Caribbean people, including Dominicans. What is happening to them? But well, that seems to be the... The, the kind of ethos here, if you are um, in a certain bracket, uh, if you hold certain positions, including top political positions, here in our
0: region, in our country, that you can do anything and get away with it? Yes, that certainly seems to be the case. In fact, we were asking the same questions. You know, Why it is that with such a, a, a massive fraud on such a wide scale, affecting so many thousands of people, that so far in the Caribbean we haven't seen nobody being brought before the courts, no charges have been laid against the key people involved and one wonders what is happening in the Caribbean region where everywhere else governments are taking action against people who, who do this kind of fraud against the general public
1: well, well you see this leads us into another important question the level of crime and violence uh, in our country I, I'll tell you I said this before that unless and until Mr. Ruzel's character goes the public and publicly retracts and apologizes for his now infamous statement that no law, not even the Constitution, will prevent him from doing what he wants to do. Until and unless he does that, then people will have something to hang their criminal intentions and criminal actions on. It's that important. You understand? Uh, So you see white-collar criminals uh, getting away with their crimes and then somebody who takes a biscuit or quick biscuit gets thrown in jail and people are losing faith. People are even losing faith in the court system. It is something that I would wish myself as a responsible citizen to urge them not to lose faith. But I have to say that tongue in cheek when we see what is going on. You know, uh, so um that that is, that is what is happening, that people are getting away with white crimes and other persons are taking a position. Well, if they can do that, if they can comfortable how they wish, get away with it, then who am I not to join the league?
0: Yes, it's interesting that you mentioned that, uh, Mr. James, because what we're seeing in Dominica is indeed a, a huge upsurge in crime and in violent crime. Um, We have those various uh, robberies and so on, which of course is a reflection as well on the state of the economy, but also the fact that people tend to get the sense that, as you rightly pointed out, that uh, those committing white collar crimes, they are are not prosecuted, they get away with it. So why not them? And I think that is really something that all of Dominica really needs to come to grips with: the importance of taking charge and putting, you know, getting those that commit those types of crimes making sure that they go through the court system so that the message, the message can be sent. But on the, on the, on the issue of crime, though, um, what, what do you think, besides this, this notion that the, the court system is maybe broken, what else do you think is contributing to, to what we're seeing in Dominica these days? We have crime against tourists in particular and the different types of crimes you're seeing being done throughout uh, the island.
1: Well, uh, I'll tell you, um, I, I do not want to be on record as saying or doing anything, saying anything, anything that will encourage people to believe that they can hide behind the lack of jobs to create, uh, to, to, to do violence and to get involved in crime. I would not want that to happen, okay? Uh, and to the extent that that can be um, identified as a cause and a contributing factor, we should all try to, to um, discourage it. But we have to pay attention, as I said earlier, we have to pay attention to the state of the economy. I, I had the opportunity to speak to some um, economic students at the college on, on Monday. They are a very, very um, interesting discussion. We talked about many things um, hinging on agricultural economics, but agriculture and economics really at the center and the heart of our economy. And it is important for us to um, pay attention to employment generation, employment creation. And um, on, on, until we are not doing that, then the idle hands, as they say, will find something uh, to do. But also, I believe that. A non solution of this Why, for instance, and they have not denied that the cabinet had to have a full audience. jurisdiction and the inherent jurisdiction in court throughout, so that people get the sense now, well look, if, if, if a person has a passport, that per- passport is, is essential to be presented so that the person's eligibility for the highest office in the land can be determined, then why should I, as a, as, as a driver, be forced to present my driver's license to a policeman on the road? To the extent that that is part of the upholding of law and order, presenting your driver's license when a policeman asks you for it. And, and then people of sense or of this see that the passport in the court of law, we are told that you don't have to present it because it will incriminate you. What do these things say? What message do these things send? What do I as a leader say to people who look to me for guidance? I need guidance myself on these matters. The country needs guidance on these matters. So when you put all these things together, you get a very solid picture as far as a crime is
0: concerned. You know, there, there are so many issues there, uh, Mr. James. but I wanted to ask you this, you know, and people often refer to the opposition party as a party in waiting or the government in waiting. Given the current situation in Dominica, where we have this massive level of unemployment, um, this escalating crime levels, and the economy is in a tailspin, what would you do as a party if you could just list three major initiatives you'd undertake on a swimming office if you were to be elected in the next round of elections?
1: Well, we, we talked about the economy and, and employment. Uh, there are some people... We, we have to try... Um, to all of us will have to join in this effort to let people understand that... The, the little frills that we are seeing now of, yes, a road here, uh, yes, an infrastructure here, uh, and, and so on, that they get carried away with it. We have to recognize that we have an economy that is resting on sand, if you like, because what we are doing is getting uh, benefits of the benevolence of people who have their own uh, agenda, because let us understand that there's no free lunch, and, and we've often heard people say that countries do not have any, any what, uh, permanent friends, they have permanent interests. So what we get to see now, it's, it's the benevolence of some people who might not be there all the time. you get loans, for instance, massive loans, but these loans have to be repaid. They have to be repaid. We should not get carried away with this suggestion we heard from a minister of government that we do not necessarily have to pay back the Chinese. Look at what is happening now with Grenada and the Taiwanese. Grenadians might have thought they would not have had to pay back the Taiwanese. Their economy is under severe pressure, under severe pressure of because the Taiwanese are taking legal, legal action and their potential revenue from the cruise ship and the airlines are being seized. So you have to uh, understand that you have to be dealing with an economy that can be put on solid ground. So we as a a party, as a government, must address sincerely the question of production and productivity so that we can generate our own money to feed ourselves and to deal with the massive loans that we have outstanding there. That is not to say that we are going to completely discount opportunities for grants, but we would much prefer to be able to trade. We also believe that it is important for us to address the question of law and order. Because in the absence of law and order, you will not be able to do the things that are necessary and to derive the benefits from efforts to get the economy put on a sound footing. So that is an area there as well. Education. 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 While we hear a lot of talk and we, we see people plagiarizing quote unquote the the work of others, like I heard Mr. Skerritt the other day say, claiming that the state college was their initiated and their baby. I mean if you go up to the college there you will see a plaque there where um you know United Worcus Fabio was involved. I know that before just before we left the office we had already I'm invited applications and i receive applications for principal of the college to name it the state college as opposed to the uh, sixth form college and so on. And to bring existing institutions under one umbrella is not to be, uh, is not to create a new thing. In fact, I think many people will tell you that to bring an institution that is described as the state college from scratch, as it were, to uh, implementation, it must require more than two years, okay? So, the question is education. That our people must be educated at the level that we, they can compete readily with people from the rest of the region and the world. Because, in the context of the CSME of free movement and um, rights of establishment and, and, and these other sort of things, our people have to be equipped. And they have to have the opportunity to go to the best institutions, uh, not go to institutions and come back through where we've sent uh, so many uh, people to this institution only to find that they might not be uh, institutions in large measure, which um, form part of the top echelons of the education strata. We see 2,000 people people, uh, at the college, or entering the college each year, 1,000 people, 250. Uh, graduate, what happens to the others? Yes, we know that there are some people who are doing work and study, and it will take them some time. But we really need to be able to talk to people about what is happening. Um, So, uh, I don't know whether I covered three or two or half, but I I thought I I, I looked at some of the important areas that we want to look at. I'm sure there are others, uh, but we'll have to um, address them as
0: we go on. Absolutely. In case you're just joining us, we are talking there to former Prime Minister Edison James and leader of the United Workers' Party. We will be opening up the lines in just a few minutes, so if you have a call, if you want, would like to join the discussion, please feel free to do so. The number to call, if you're calling from Dominica, we will give you a local number by which you can join the conversation, and the number is 442-1214. That is 442-1214. If you're calling from long distance, you can call the regular Q95 line or you can reach us there at one 327 6154 That's 301-327-6154. And, of course, you can always reach us via email, radio at the dominican.net, radio at the dominican.net. So we'd like to encourage you, if you're interested in uh, ask, either asking a question to Mr. James or simply joining the conversation, weighing in on critical issues that affect dominica of course i um, prime um former prime minister james himself was the prime minister for five years in dominica recently assumed the reins of of leadership of the united workers party and several issues um to be dealt with we were just talking about the issue of the economy and one of the things mr james for someone who who grew up on bananas and um who has a lot who owes a lot to bananas for my success it's is very heartbreaking for me when i see the state of agriculture in dominica today and i know for you it must be justice because the the banner industry actually went through its greatest days under your leadership at the at the dbmc and i I wonder how you feel as a former administrator in bananas when it used to bring in for instance 120 million EC dollars now it's down to about four or five million dollars i wonder what you feel about the whole um emphasis has been placed right now by the government on agriculture and the decline in that critical sector of Dominica's economy?
1: Uh, I'm on public record, as saying, when it comes to bananas and by extension agriculture, for me it is 1% politics and 99% statemanship. I believe that the government is being lip-service to agriculture. The government either doesn't have the inclination or the will um, or the purpose to look after um, agriculture i I see that uh, without fear of contradiction I, I know they will tell you okay well we we give this subsidy here or we put this amount of money at the bank to assist this uh, that's what here and so on but the point is not working because as I said either they do not have the, the inclination the ability uh to get the job done uh, again this government is all about politics rather than management of the economy. We have put on public record a plan for revising the opportunity, the ability of the banana industry to generate money to the economy I know that it can. Now let me let me see there are many people who are not taking note of this. The EU money that we've been getting, a lot of it EU money that we've been getting. I don't know if people realise that that is ninety nine percent due to bananas. Because, as you would know as an economist, uh, the IMF uh, Thompson, um, the bananas is essentially I and mean, in large measure the only crop that we have been trading in as far as the European uh, countries are concerned.
0: Okay, um, and, uh, Mr. James, I would I would like you to hold it for there. We have our first our first caller on the line. Good evening, caller. Yes. Good night
2: to you, Dr. Thompson, and good night to Mr. James. Yes, a very yes. good evening. Yeah, you just brought up the question of bananas, but I want to ask Mr. Jim, what are the plans that the party has to revitalize agriculture and to bring back money in the hands of Dominicans? Because you can see the policy of this present government is to remove money from the hands of the people Hello? and to give them like a handout that they can be, um, give their allegiance to their, their, their party. So what is their plan for agriculture, reviving agriculture? Thank okay, Good night.
0: Okay, we have this, all right, let's let's just take this other caller. Um you go ahead caller. Okay, we, we missed this caller, but um Mr. James, the the question the question of course um, to you is what uh, plans does your government have or your, your party have to revamp the agriculture sector if you resume the reins of power in government?
1: What, what, what I to say. With respect to bananas, I believe that bananas continue to have a major role to play. Banana, as I described, is one of the most eaten fruits in the world. Uh, we continue to have opportunities in the marketplace. We said a few years ago that our plan would be to seek to reach an annual production of fifty thousand tons. My advice, the information I have, talking to people in the industry, that the market can, over time, as we work, absorb fifty thousand tons a year. From us, that would involve because we have, would have the market opportunity. That would involve a major rehabilitation um, program, which would involve providing the farmers with the, the required inputs, uh, um, production inputs, harvesting inputs, processing inputs, and, and take them up to their uh, to their first uh, crop, uh, and, and and thereafter. Uh, work with them to continue and maintain the industry. We will also get involved in contract farming, contractual farming with the farmers, based on identified markets, which would have to be, be involve the identifying of markets. So they're going out there, identifying, knowing what we can produce, identifying marketing opportunities, what quantities uh, would be required, what are the likely price levels that we'll be talking about look at the transportation needs to get from here to where the market is, and come back and enter into contractual arrangements with the farmers, again, providing with their assistance, looking at their production patterns, monitoring it as it goes along, working with the farmers, and get the produce out there, their markets out there initially. I, I, I always has to be subject to some detailed market intelligence. Um, you know, we have markets up in the north, and we have markets in Barbados. Those markets uh, are the markets that we had targeted when we were in office and had started servicing them. So um, that is what we would be doing in a nutshell as far as agriculture is concerned, but also recognizing that the youth are important for the maintenance of our agricultural efforts. The young farmers, um, development and training program, which we initiated. We believe we can get that revived. Uh, an important aspect of that would be to introduce, to be introducing what we call appropriate technology, recognizing that persons generally at that level would want to see themselves as, as operators rather than laborers where, where, that can, can be done. So we provide the implements, get the implements designed, uh, for them to use, whether it's in, um, the, the harvesting, the packaging, the, the land preparation exercise. We know that the topography is different from some of the places like St. Kitts and Barbaida, but as the appropriate technology comes, uh, comes in, and, and we, we cannot put up our hands in humble su- uh, surrender and say, well, look, uh, this is what can be done and that can be done. We, we have technology at our, our disposal, and we work with those who have it so that we can make it available for farmers.
0: All right, um, moving on, uh, let me just remind you again, if you would like to join the conversation, the number to call is four, four, two, one, two, one, four. If you're calling from Dominica, four, four, two, one, two, one, four. That's a local Dominica number. If you're calling from long distance, you can reach us here at one, three, zero, one three two seven six one five four and we have a question coming in mr james uh, via email and the uh, person is asking what does uh, mr james see as the way forward in competing in the global economy is it agriculture tourism or renewable energy
1: well renewable energy is important eh? uh, because that allow us to have some measure competitiveness <laughs>
0: Mr. James, um, we have another caller coming in. Let's let's um, take this call. Good evening, caller. You're on the line. Hey, good evening. How you doing? Okay, doing great. Caller, thank you very much for calling.
3: Yeah, good evening to you, Mr. James. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been listening to your program. I'm very interested. Um, I have a question to make. I heard Mr. James mention our robot. uh, Mr. Goni Manuel and um, with with the attempted firebomb of his house, or or firebomb of his house, the attempted murder, right? And uh, you know it's it's rather unfortunate. Hello? Yes, go ahead.
0: Go ahead, please, caller.
3: Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is, it's rather unfortunate that um, two senior citizens were, you know, they they, they were brutally attacked at their home. I mean, they they tried to kill them and we have there is evidence that there is a young man that at least came up and, and said that he was paid to do this job, and no attempt has been made to bring this matter to to you know to to, to give justice to mr emmanuel i mean this way i mean this this thing is getting serious, and once you have this present government yeah, Mr Emmanuel is going to have a real hard time in getting justice and. You know we need we need some intervention now, man. Something needs to be done because that, it cannot be right. I mean, even <coughs> hello.
0: Yes, caller. All right, hello? we seem to have lost the caller, but Mr. James, you got the first of the. Of the question that yes, the was, was, uh, was asked, uh, justice. I think you were talking about justice for the Mandela's and so. Let, let me say
1: this: eh? I, I am convinced that based on what has gone on so far, um, the uh, reluctance or um, refusal of the authorities, the fire, including the the police, to do the kind of professional investigative work that is required, the involvement of the authorities. I'm of the view that unless outside investigation, investigative profe- investigating professionals are involved, then we will not get anywhere. Both the police and the government authorities have so compromised themselves already that they cannot be expected to deliver on this matter. I, I call already, we've called already, I call again for outside inter- intervention, whether it's MI5 or, or whether it's the American people. And when they come here, if they do come, the first person they must start the investigation with is Anthony Tony W. Astaphan. And the question to him, Mr. Astavan, could you tell us who are the persons who are immediately on the scene after the fire with whom you spoke? That is extremely important, okay? I know this thing about Lenny, um about Benny Schillingford and so on. Yes, uh, that's important, but I think they have to ask this man. He's an officer of the court, he's a senior lawyer, and when he makes that statement, the public has a right to believe him, that he saw people who were immediately on the scene after the fire, and these
0: people are important in Kicking off the investigation. Okay, so they need to um, that. Mr. James. Yes, another question coming in. Um, good evening, caller.
3: Yeah, it's you know. me again. I'm driving, so you know, I, I, we got caught off. Uh, yeah, I was saying, and then you have members of this this present administration defending defending criminals. You know, and especially Mr. Tony Asta fans. I'm very, very disappointed in Tony Asta fans as an advisor to the Prime Minister would go on record and defend criminals. You know, these things, we we really need to bring back some sanity to Dominica, my brother. You know, thank you very much.
0: All right, thank you very much, Color, for joining the conversation tonight. Of course, um, to our listeners, you can always join us here. The the number to call is 301-327-6154. Yes, and Mr. James, you raised a very interesting um, issue. You said that you, you wanted to ask uh, this very important question to Mr. Asifan. but why is that question important? No, as I said, he is the man who is on the record
1: as that the person spoke to him immediately after he went to see the reply of the man did not see that they saw a car. Um, that is what he's on the record as saying. Uh, of saying. I believe that these people are important, and Mr. Astapan is the one who knows who these people are, and he should um, be asked to give the information uh, to the police. And I said, you asked me why is important. He is a senior officer of the court. He's a senior uh, attorney. Um, people have a right to be able to depend on what he says in the matter of a criminal investigation. So that is where I'm coming
0: from in this matter. Okay. Um, that, that, that's all. All right. um, Switching gears a bit there, Mr. James, your party was heavily criticized for staying out of parliament for several months. In in fact, quite a long time. You have since taken the decision to come back into parliament. Um, First of all, tell us what prompted that change of heart and also having gone back into parliament, if you are happy with the current state of affairs as it relates to the way the business of parliament is conducted in Dominica.
1: First of all, let me say, I'm not so sure that my party was heavily criticized. Um, I think those are persons who um, understood, and a lot of people understood what we are doing. Um, they appreciated what we are doing because we put clearly on the table that we were doing, taking the action that we took, that we were taking, because we wanted to heighten the attention of the people to what was going on in the country with, which, with respect to uh, electoral reform. We did say that we are asking and seeking for electoral reform based on three areas. That is the um, introduction and use of ID cards for voting, the complete re-registration of voters or or, or cleaning up of the voters list, and access to uh, state media, DDSGIS. That is what we said we were looking for. And we wish that, because since 2005 we embarked upon this mission. We spoke about it, we spoke about it, we spoke about it. People seem to have ignored it. What is clear, and and the fact that you are saying that there have been every criticism, there will not be criticism unless people are paying attention to what you're doing. So we are satisfied that the awareness with respect to electoral reform has been significantly raised. Uh, Our people... Uh, who, who support us, and people, as I said, who are not fully in our camp, who are not fully in our camp yet, but we hope they'll be getting there, um, said, look, we've taken the point we'd like to hear you fully participate in the parliament. And uh, we responded to that, uh, but on the basis that we uh, were satisfied that the awareness had been raised. Now, you remember that Mr. Skerritt came out some uh, time earlier, from 2010, Claiming that he had this heavy legislative agenda, and so he would have to, uh, he would have to hold the parliament every month. He did that for three months, clearly, in an attempt to try and see if he could browbeat us into uh, abandoning our cause. Uh, we, we did not do that. Okay, we actually allowed ourselves to go into a uh, by-election, which we won convincingly. Uh, you asked about what is the situation going back to the parliament or, or getting involved fully in this in the department fully. Uh, we, we, when we went, I think we had a, a, a good uh, few days. Of course, I mentioned earlier we were disappointing. It was disappointing that the Minister of Finance chose to absent himself uh, from the parliament when there were three or four very, very important financial bills uh, before the parliament. But I think generally there was the kind of camaraderie among the, the, the parliamentarians that um, I, I felt comfortable with. We had our cotton trust. But when the time came, we, you know, um, responded to each other and so on. The disappointment for me is Alex Boyd-Knight and her attitude in that parliament. And and I can tell you, we have reached the stage now where if we're not going to be able to tolerate it, and Dominicans should not want to tolerate this. But we have taken an early step, and we have written to the speaker, to Mrs. Boyd-Knight, asking her for a meeting with all the Um, uh, opposition opposition parliamentarians to flesh out and have a common understanding of what is required of both sides. It cannot be right for Alex Boyd Knight, a speaker, to decide that in the absence of any rule that she's operating under or that she can point out to us, she can refuse to entertain a question from a member of the parliament. No rule, that she can point to. The rules are clear that if the speaker is not satisfied that a particular question is in keeping with the rules, or that question is an abuse of the right to ask a question, then there are certain actions that the rules say she must take. There's nothing that shows any breach of any of those provisions. Yet she refuses to take a question from the opposition. Alex boyd Knight sees clearly in front of her in the rules, Rule 41, which says gives certain directions, refuses to adhere to it, refuses. I'll tell you something. It is our considered view that this woman is not only politically motivated, but she actually detests and probably hates the members of the opposition. That is how we are, are, are seeing it. We hope we are wrong. But that is a major factor. It is a major factor in the House being operated as it was intended to operate. So we see him now a calm,
0: full, quiet way to get that, which uh, we hope that can happen shortly. You know, Mr. James, I, I found it kind of curious, and I've been looking at, at Dominica's parliament, and I, I'm, I've always been curious about this, 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 this rule or this law that as members of parliament, you have to present your questions in advance i i i look at the british parliament for instance upon which our democracy is based and i see members of parliament simply stand up and they ask the prime minister question after question and he has to answer uh, and it is just curious to me and 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 for someone who, who is not fully cognizant of all of the different rules of the of the house why is it that the, the speaker has so much power even to deny a question uh, a legitimate question from members of parliament who have a right to speak on behalf of the people. Well, on the question of the British parliament, yes, as you know, our system is based
1: on the UK parliamentary system. I'm not 100% sure that the prime minister does not have some advance warning because often I've seen him, uh, the prime minister, um, referring to to notes um, as the answer is given. So it may be that even if it's just for a short time, Notes, uh, um, some indication is given to the minister with respect to that. Uh, what we, what uh, I can say to you, though, is that um, there is a Rules Committee and um, we believe that it is important to raise the matter of the revision of the rules. Those rules are existing since, I think, 1986, the current rules. So I, I think they probably need revising. Enough. Did it, did it, say uh, 18, had, did it say since
0: the 1800s? so 1986. Oh,
1: 1986, okay. 1986, I think that is the basis of this rule, yeah. Um But I, I think also there is a situation, unfortunately, where the, the, the current um, um, Speaker of the House might be picking up on herself authority that she doesn't have. I mean, the last time in the Parliament, they, a member moved a privilege motion. We have seen nowhere where the Speaker had to um, make the rulings that she made. I mean, once a motion has been moved and seconded. That is what the rule says. Once a motion has been moved and seconded, it shall be put to the house. Yet after a motion has moved and seconded, the lady intervened and refused to allow the motion to go to the house. So these are the kind of things. Unfortunately, very unfortunately, the court has said to her, basically, I can't supervise your work. No, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm not stupid. I've been a lawmaker for a long time. And my understanding of the pretty council ruling under which they um, they speak, and the court is taking uh, some cover. This political ruling spoke about not being, the court not being able or should not or will not get involved in the legislative process of the parliament when you are making the law. But when the law, the rule has been made, then we have rulings by the court already. Our own um, appeal court has ruled that when the matter of the interpretation of the applica- or the application of rules as obtained in the House uh, comes before them, the court has a right to examine it. Again, more recently, the current um, 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 like High Court judge, Bernie Brooks, when the matter of the vacation of, uh, of the seats came up before, and the speaker's case had to do with arguing that she was not answerable to the court or something in these matters. The ruling of the judge was, yes, you have things to answer, and only in this court it can be answered. So there's a confusion there that needs to be sorted. But in the meantime, uh, the current speaker is making him why the sun and she thinks that she's a law unto herself in that parliament. She's a lord unto herself in that parliament. The disorder reigns. She, she told us the other day that, um, you know, she doesn't see any problem with people being in the house, so that the rule which provides for
2: the
0: house to pay attention to what is going on. She has uh, recently thrown out of, thrown out of the board, so just a bad, she just abandoned Wow, rather interesting. In case you would like to join the conversation, of course, the number to call, if you're calling from Dominica, if you reside currently in Dominica and you'd like okay. a question to be posed or you'd like to raise an issue with uh, the leader of the opposition Mr. Edison James, you can do that. The number 442-1214, 442-1214. If you're calling from overseas, you can reach us here at 1-301-327-6154. That's 301 327 six one five four and of course you can send us an email radio at the Dominican Whilst I was uh, I was talking um, was to you let, Mr. let me just James. make one somebody, point. I think that be to you. Sent let me just make one somebody point. Just sent a very interesting um, uh, issue there. By email. They are saying that the commons oral questions are tabled by MPs at least three days in advance of question time. The questions are then printed in the commons question book and the all in which the questions are asked is determined randomly by a computer. All right. So somebody just clarify and we want to thank one of our listeners there for clarifying this. But they they went on to say though, Mr. James, that the speaker does not interfere or does not mess with the question. Right, right. That's interesting, but I was going to say to you, when I spoke
1: about the need for the rules to so be looked at it again, Here it is. there was a major issue that the public was interested in pertaining to the issuance of um, uh, diplomatic passports and the, uh, the nation of diplomatic appointments. you remember you were interested in that?
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: Yes. So we ask, we ask a question, we put a question on the order paper to deal with that. You know what happened with because of how they operate the system, they manipulated, in my mind, that question out of an oral answer, and therefore, out of supplementary questions, which is where you, where you really get the truth of the answer. So they put the question down after a certain time. And when, as has happened in the past on several occasions, when the half an hour lot of question time was over, we moved the motion for the time to be extended to allow all the questions to be answered. We believe strongly that because they were not comfortable with having to answer that question, uh, they decided, no, they are not allowing any more time. The House decided that. So this is the kind of thing that probably um, would, should, should lead us to, to, to understand that we should, if we say we're going to allow three questions per um, parliamentarian, then all the questions should be allowed to be answered within the
0: time frame. Yes, I think, and to me, anything short of that, to me, is interfering with the democratic process. And I really believe that, you know, that the parliamentarians have a responsibility and a right to ask the questions as they see it, as they want to, and have the members of parliament react or respond to those questions The way that they want to without interference from any third party. Um, Mr. James, we we are quickly running out of time and I wanted to to talk on a a very important issue that the whole question of electoral reform. A lot of concern has been expressed, of course, about um, the whole question of the voters' list. Dominica, for instance, I am told has some 70 something thousand people on the voters' list in a population of some 70,000 people. And uh, what, what efforts uh, are being done now to address those issues? And what are your main concerns about the whole process?
1: Well, well my main concern, as you know, as in public record, the party's concern. Uh, as you said, there are uh, about, uh, I think the figure was around 65,000 people on what was essentially a 69, 70,000 um, uh, um, citizens list or voters list. And that is just un- uh, that's untenable, it's unrealistic, it's silly, it makes us look foolish. Uh, so we need to clean the list. And we need to use ID cards so that we can go a long way towards reducing, eliminating fraud. You know about that notorious email from Anthony Astephan to carried copied to um, Alec Lawrence and Hartley Henry, the political advisor, um, which sought to prevent any such action. We are seeking right now another meeting with the Electoral Commission um, on, on, on this matter. Um, we are not happy with certain things that we are in developing,
2: including
1: uh, an indication that Mr. Alec Lawrence has been given some kind of who um, uh, are headed to start to revise the, the um, electoral law. That will be a travesty. Bear in mind the role that the gentleman played with respect to that uh, email. With the Electoral Commission is supposed to have complete autonomy and independence according to the Constitution from any interference from anyone. And that interference, you no know, matter how slight it is, is hearing that Mr. Skerr uh, is involved in suggesting to them, to the Electoral Commission, what kind of machines they should, they should get. That, That's consider to be a contamination of the process to start with. We ourselves are embarking upon an exercise to go through the list in the various constituencies, identify those um, names that are on the on the list which are associated with people who are dead, um, identify those names that are not eligible to be on the list according to the law, and make the submissions to the electoral commission. The Could myself, my children, I do not have the, the means for buying my own food and so on. You're not taking me out of poverty. You're just perpetuating the state of poverty and dependence um, of,
0: of, of the individual. Okay, and Mr. James, we, we are quickly running out of time, as I said, but we have a, we have still have a couple of questions that that uh, that, uh, that have come in by um, by email um, now. In case we the, the Q95 may have to leave us at this time, but in case we are going to continue on the internet, um, it's the dominican.net where you can continue the conversation for just another 10 minutes or so, since we would like to go through the questions that have been asked by our listeners. And Mr. James, this, this question um, from a listener writing in from Canada, the question to you is, is your party in support of Dominica's membership of the ALBA?
1: I'll tell you something. We are regional people. Certainly, I'm a regional man. Um, We are part of the ACS, so we do not have any aversion to being involved with Latin American countries. We are part of the Commonwealth. We are part of the United Nations. We are part of CARICOM and OECS. The issue with ALBA is that we do not know what ALBA is about. We've seen some things. We are told that we have um, what they call technical arrears, um and so on. Uh, we are told Alba is assisting here, always is assisting there. We established diplomatic relations with Venezuela, uh, not me, the, the Freedom Party I think before us. We established diplomatic relations with Cuba. Um, so of the three uh, of these three major players here, yeah, we, we established regulations before Mr. Askerik. Uh So we have no problem, but we cannot go into, and we do not intend to go into something until we know what it is about. We're hearing, for instance, that there's a military alliance. Uh, we heard that coming out of the last, last other meeting. We're getting the sense that government is distant to themselves. Alba took a decision that 1% of our foreign reserve would be put into some kind of fund or bank. Dominica is out of that. We hear that the decision was taken that we should, uh, the Alba country should prevent um, English flag flying from coming into the shore. Dominica is pulling out of that. We hear about the secret. Dominica is pulling out of that. So what are we in? So you see the confusion. Why I cannot say to you that we are um, uh, going to go into Alba if we would forget it. They would want to look at what it is, understand what is involved and make
0: a decision There. All right. Um, this question, Mr. James, I would like your response to it. Um, this uh, listener writing to us in our chat room, they're asking, would the United Workers' Party, if re-elected, would they consider ethanol production? Uh, gasoline can be substituted with uh, 10% ethanol that would cut out the annual expenditure on gasoline by about ten percent, and that would help to create employment. Have you considered in looking at alternative plans? Have you ever considered the use of ethanol as a as a substitute for energy in Dominica?
1: Well, we talked about renewable energy early on, and I gave it the company's an indication that you know we will be interested in uh, developing. Um, alternative energy. Remember, we went on a green and clean campaign in 2009. When we did that, we were, although Mr. Skerritt some years before had spent about four pages of his budget to just talking about cleaning and greening, uh, when we put forward a clean and green program, they tried to laugh us out of the park. Uh, and that is the thing, that is the way, way, way. politics and politicking. Uh, takes over statesmanship and management. So we are interested in anything like that. Uh, we know that there are people out there who we can partner with to um, uh, bring about these opportunities. Um, and not only opportunities in those areas you suggested, areas you suggested but we know uh, and we look at the opportunities for us to work with partners so that um, after we train our people in um, matters to do... <coughs> uh, with the technology that's all around us, that we can partner with them to get some of the work that will accrue from those skills, newly acquired skills, so that we can provide employment for people. Certainly, um, anything like ethanol production and so on, we'll be interested in working uh, with
0: partners. All right, Another question for you, Mr. James, um, from our email radio at dominican.net, and this one is coming from a listener in Guadeloupe. And the question to you is, what are the party's plans to win the next elections? And if there are no voter ID cards, will your party participate in the elections?
1: Well, on the second one, I, I don't want to get involved in that if there are no ID cards. We must all, those of us who appreciate, and I suspect that is all of us, uh, no matter how we pretend, those of us who appreciate the importance of democracy and who recognise that the integrity of that of the democratic process can only be preserved when well, people are allowed to vote freely and fairly, and that one of and that one of the important ingredients in free and fair election is to be able to identify the people who are voting uh, as as they. And, and, and that is important, there's an important role for the ID card. So we are saying that all uh, people should not be talking about if, but they should be working diligently to ensure that there is. Uh, so I'm not at this point in time entertaining any if. Uh, we're working on that we will be ensuring that there would be proper means of ensuring free and fair elections. And you asked me what are our plans uh, that is extensive. We are now in the process of a, of a, of a major forward-moving-out party, uh, going on the ground of, right now, there's a training session going on in my constituency, involving um, representatives from the constituencies of Wesley and Marigot and church and Cassidy And And that, that kind of thing is going to be going around the country. We have just established three... Uh, committees, a finance committee, an election planning committee, a public relations committee, and so on. And we are, uh, putting a work plan in place, uh, to kick off the ground in the next few days. We are going to be, uh, in the constituencies. We, I can say that we are, um, you'll probably like to, if you find us, if you come to Cottage constituency on Sunday, you'll find us there. And you'll find us in many parts of the country as we go forward, carrying the message and encouraging our people attention to the message and encourage our people to work for the change. We're not going to be able to do alone. We know that we have to reach out to them. We have to embrace people. We have to win people over. And that's what we're going to do with them.
0: All right. Well, Mr. James, um, let me thank you for spending an extra time with us tonight. And of course, to all of our listeners in Dominica and across the globe, let me thank you for joining us tonight on This Week in Interview. Join us next week when we will discuss the issue of crime in Dominica with uh, Dr. Peter Sejan, who will be our guest next week, Wednesday, on This Week in Interview. In the meantime, I would like to encourage you to join me on Saturday from 5.30 to 7.30 for Scrapbook on the Dominican.net radio, where we take a closer look at the entertainment situation in Dominica and discuss other matters of interest. So, join me on Saturday from 5 to 7, and next week, Wednesday, with Dr. Peter Senja on This Week in Interview. So, let me say a special good night to all of you and to the production staff of TDN Radio. Thank you for helping us put this together. And to Mr. James, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us and to answer the questions from our listeners.
2: Can I can I have a last
0: word? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I okay, I asked you a
1: certain question earlier. That if that question would be posed to me, and to you, how should we answer it? I don't want you to answer you now, but think about it, and you can talk to me.
0: Okay. All right, we'll do, we'll do, we'll certainly do. All right. All right. Thank you. Right. Okay. Good night. Well, thank you very much, and let me again thank all of our listeners for joining us. On this week in interview, we look forward to another edition of this week in interview when we will again have another matter of interest to discuss with you the issue of crime in Dominica. We've noted sociologist Dr. Peter Sejan. Have a good night and thank you. For